Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey there, fellow Outcasters. It's your ABTV after show for Outcast. It's season one, episode two, I Remember When She Loved Me, which means, yeah, we're still talking demonic possession, but this time we're talking possession with a little sprinkle of fire and brimstone and no small amount of feelings. It's all right here on ABTV, so stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. <laughs> because the first thing I wanted to do was cry. More like let the tears begin. <laughs> oh, it is. This was this was the only song I could think of with with this in the title. So I'm glad that that one of you threw it out because my emotional state was it was too stable. I was feeling uh, not overcome enough, and now. We're just we're gonna we're gonna move on before I I openly start weeping on camera. It's gonna happen because the little cowboy doll lost her person and it's so sad. It is really sad. I am Lex Michael. Hi, I'm here now. All of our social media at the Lex Michael, and I am here with Joel Monique, and you can find me everywhere at Joel Monique. And I am Abby Vega, and you can find me at underscore Abby Vega. And of course, uh, as always, you know, follow us, like us, subscribe to our feed, rate us five stars. We're watching the live chat. I believe we our hashtag is ABTV Outcast. Yes. 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 yes, it is hashtag ABTV Outcast. So please join in the conversation. We're going to be watching the chat during our entire discussion. So hi, guys. Hey. I, I was not here last week. I was, I was very ill. It wasn't fun. So I missed talking about the pilot with you guys. So I guess my first question uh, as a way to bring myself up to speed, this is the second episode, obviously, of this new series. How did it compare for you guys to the pilot episode? Much better. Yeah, I enjoyed Much it a lot better. more. And I like the pilot. I don't want to diss the pilot. The pilot was good. It was a strong introduction to this world, and we needed it. But, woo! I like getting into the background. We veered away from the comics. If you're a comic book fan, we've got new information, which is really cool. Um, out of order, some things, which we'll talk a little bit about. So... I'm excited about it. Yeah, yeah, I loved. I liked the pilot a lot too. But like she said, I like diving in deeper into the characters and kind of what got them there. And you see some good flashbacks yeah. in this episode. So I I like it better than I liked the pilot. But I did like the pilot as well. It's interesting. Okay, so so I'm not a reader of the comics, and are are both of you? Or I'm not. Okay, no, Abby, you're I not. Am. I actually brought in my issue two today, which we don't zoom here, but you could check it out, uh, which is actually, instead of called I Remember When She Left Me, it's from The Shadows It Watches. Um, I have the whole collection as it stands today. I am a super, super huge fan <laughs> of the comics. Um, so, yeah. Okay, see, and I came to it fresh. I was aware of the comics, but I have not been keeping up with them. So the pilot, I really, really dug, because obviously I didn't have the experience of, oh, I, I've seen this already, yeah. scene for scene, shot for shot. I was really into it as a, a movie geek nice. because it was the pilot was directed by Adam Wingard, mm. and I don't know if you guys talked at all about Adam Wingard's body work. Really. So Adam Wingard is the guy who made Your Next, and he also made a movie called The Guest, which I absolutely adore. So I thought that from a directorial standpoint, the pilot was very, very cool. But I agree, I really like now in the second episode, really digging a lot deeper into the characters as opposed to, as fun as it was, little boy's possessed. Yeah. I'm going to punch him in the face. Oh, he's still coming. I'm going to punch him harder. I, th I think we're fine. I think we're fine now, <laughs> which is great. But yeah, so I, uh, because it is such a character heavy episode, it's not crazy plot driven. I felt like maybe the best, most constructive way to go about breaking this episode down would be to talk about the individual character journeys. And obviously I think the clear jumping off point would be Kyle because you learn quite a bit that gives context to Kyle's state that yes. expounds upon what we learned in the pilot. Some stuff that I thought was really interesting, specifically as applies to his relationship with his mother. Yeah. And so I wanted to talk about that. And then also because, uh, Joel, you referenced some departures from the comics. Yeah. I want to know, does it does it start here? What's the yeah. depiction of this relationship that we see on the show versus how it's depicted in the books? 
Yeah. Uh, do you want to start with the mother-son relationship? Yeah. Okay. So, um... We get flashbacks in the comics, but we get negative flashbacks only. Okay. So we see all the kitchen scenes very much the same, shot the same uh, as they are originally depicted by, sorry for the artist, Azaceta? Azaceta? Um, who's a great artist. <laughs> if you haven't checked out his work, you definitely want to. Um, but we don't get the happy flashbacks. Okay. We don't get these sunshiny moments of whose mother. He talks about it in the comic, but you don't see them. And I was so excited to watch that just shift from loving, like, devoted mother to crazed woman mm-hmm. smearing mud all over her face, which was really, it, it helped you understand a lot more what Kyle had to go through as a kid, because it wasn't crazy 100% of the time. It was out of the blue and completely unexpected, and this poor kid has is left on his own to deal with it, and I thought that was a really great addition from the comics. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's very important that they show their relationship before this happened, because otherwise it would be harder to um, kind of be with Kyle when he is showing all this emotion and kind of guilt mm. later in the episode. You wouldn't understand it as well if you didn't see that there was a good, loving relationship there before all this craziness happened. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You really get a sense of loss. And I think that's important, especially when, I mean, I think this this show so far has made a pretty clear argument that, that evil, capitally evil, is real. It's not, this is not necessarily just a metaphor or a, an analogy or a, an out, there we go, allegory for different types of domestic problems that actually exist. Having said that, it's so fascinating to watch this you, spe- okay specifically the moment where she's outside and mm-hmm. you see that possession take hold and she starts going for the mud and she starts she starts like smearing the mud all over herself and you get this clear line of demarcation between okay this is everything that came before and this is everything that's going to come after not only do you really get a palpable sense of the loss that Kyle experienced but then you also see yeah it gives more context to this is this is a, a portrait of a really bad domestic situation that Minus the weird flying goo monster that's, <laughs> that smashes him around, there are unfortunately there are a lot of scenes like this that happen in homes all across the country for one reason or another. And I thought it was a very interesting way to show that yes, this is a this is a person who was a great person, a great mother with a real true loving bond with her son that that was overcome by whether it's whether it's demons or whether you know or, or whether it's your own negative. And we have that really nice comparison in uh, episode one where Kyle runs into the old ladies, church ladies in the grocery Mm -hmm. store, and, um, you know, his sister kind of comes up afterwards like, are they kidding me? They think this is a demon that possessed your mother? She's ill. She's sick. I need to get help. She needed the help, and there was something you could do to, like, well, maybe there are outside forces at work, and it isn't that she's just sick. It's something has possessed her, and it's driven, like, and I imagine that must be really hard for Kyle, who had to grow up with this woman, who's like, you can't possibly understand the shift, the complete yeah. 180 turn from loving, devoted mother to complete psycho. Um, it works. It, I, I like that because it sets up an idea, like a real world conversation of God and demons and hell. And I think that's very important to the dynamics of the show. Yes. And it also, and you just, you phrased it perfectly. It also makes it, it's not a perfect metaphor because you get the weird flying goo monster, but it also makes it at least partway to an effective metaphor for a lot of mental illness about you have this this switch. And unless you see both sides of the person, you're only going to see the quote unquote, the demonic, the negative, the the worst possible traits that that person exemplifies. Whereas I think it was an interesting choice to show those really positive moments because, yeah, I, Ky- guys, Kyle's <laughs> life is really awful. Yes. Can we, get, like, really quickly, I just want to pause. It's, the, it's bad because not only was it his mother, but he grows up and then it basically happens again. Oh, it happens I, verbatim again. And can I also ask the question, why does he torture himself and live in that house? <laughs> is that something that comes up in the comic? Because I am so confused to why he would... Stay in that house. He, every I think time there's he a lot of kitchen. subtext that reflects back to that of needing to come home and understand what happened to you. Like, if this is just going to follow me around, if I can't escape it, I might as well go back to the source and not let it affect, A, not, not let it affect anyone else. Like, it's here already, so I can't spread it any further. And there's nobody here who loves me. Like, I mean, he keep, tries so hard to keep his sister at arm's length so she can't be the next one. Um... He works really hard, I think, to isolate himself in this place where 
he feels responsible, which we learned this episode, that he feels responsible for what happened to his mother. I think it's a way of, of condemning himself and giving himself the punishment that he needs and also protecting everyone that he loves. Especially because, and I can't, I, I'm not able to spoil anything because I haven't read the books, but you do get, you get an inkling. I mean, not only clearly this stuff keeps happening around him, specifically two people mm-hmm. around him, but I'm watching this show, especially in the second episode, listening very specifically to everything everyone is saying, going, <laughs> oh, homegirl's possessed, isn't she? Oh, she's a, she's a demon. That's why you don't like Kyle. It's because you're a demon person. Yeah. Um, and so I'm going like, if, if that turns out to be true, then obviously this weird evil demonic force specifically doesn't like him. If that's the case. And if I'm Kyle and I think evil tentacle mass monster doesn't like me, I probably go sit in the sad house by myself and yeah. try to get away from everybody else as well. Wait, I have to ask as somebody who has read the books and a little bit further in, who who was like you know, making your light bulb go off. Who were you guys looking at? Like, you must be a demon or you must be like... The guy in that hat. The man in the black hat, of course. (laughs) Of course, the man in the black hat. I him creeping in the church. Oh, okay, we're talking about... Yeah, so let's... uh, I'm gonna... I want to jump back in a minute to talk about Kyle and his mom. But yeah, since you brought it up... Homeboy is creepy. Homeboy is made First of mega all, creepy. Really exce- but okay, so I, I was going to answer your question by saying any character actor that I recognize from something else, <laughs> I'm pretty sure is evil. He's a cinema cheat. <laughs> case in point, case in point, Brent Spiner as, I believe the character is named Sidney? Yeah. Although he is not named in this episode. I had to look this up. But he is apparently, apparently, uh, not pseudo maybe sport. he's he's not a nice person wait which which character are we talking about the, the creepy guy from the church oh, yeah. who shows oh, up at the very yeah, end yeah there's no doubt in my mind that he's a bad person yeah, and, and he's he's apparently going to continue to be a bad person and that one's almost a gimme because brent brent spiner most people know as data from star trek the next generation you don't hire a brent spiner <laughs> to do a one-off like Hello, and then and then <laughs> and then leave. Well, and his speech at the end, like, yeah. If you weren't sure before, <laughs> yeah, that you just, were uncertain. That put the nail in the coffin. Yeah, that was a hundred percent verifying. Well, and that was the thoughts. conversation too that made it seem very much like, oh, okay. It, th- so they don't like him specifically. Yeah, exactly. Got it. All right, but it wasn't just Brent Spiner. It was the uh, I believe her name is Mildred, the older woman from yeah. the church. Another uh, Grace Zabriskie, another wonderful character actress who I know as Mrs. Palmer from Twin Peaks. Not just her though. Also. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what is the the actress's name? It escapes me. But this this possible love interest for the, the, the Reverend. The Reverend, yeah. Well, I don't know her name. I don't think it's a coincidence or an accident that she offers him pie and he jokingly refers to her as temptress. I think, <laughs> I think she's, she's. I think bad. she's evil. I think she's evil. I don't know. Maybe she's just a really nice lady with pies who likes <laughs> the Reverend. But on a show like this, where capital E evil exists, it's sketchy, my though. guess is that's an evil pie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The presentation of it, if nothing else, of like, look at this beautiful pie yeah. and like this temptress and all of the religious like connotations that we've already sure. fully laid out. It definitely seems like she's not going to be um, a positive influence, let's say. On the no. uh, Patricia is that character's Patricia. name. And the actress is Melinda McGraw, who played Scully's sister on the X-Files. But anyway... <laughs> She died and it was sad and she did a great job. It, yes. <laughs> Spoilers. For over a decade old. 20 year old spoilers. Yeah. But that's that's now going forward. Anytime I see a character actor who's not billed in the opening credits mm. that I recognize from anything, I'm going to go, oh no, they're, they're evil. They're evil. Demon possessed. They're, that's what the call sheet says. It's like Brent, it's like Brent Spiner, guy who is just leaking evil from every form. <laughs> True. So, okay, so they don't they don't like Kyle. Kyle's life is is rough. It's it's real not great. And the universe just seems to keep doubling down on Ooh. making Kyle's life yeah. more sad. If not objectively powerfully worse in the moment, certainly more sad. My goodness, the scene where he tries to perform the exorcism on his no, mother. Heartbreaking. Another departure, I want to say, from issue two of the comic, as far okay. as like going in order. Uh, we don't get that moment. Um, and it was heart... Just the Reverend trying to be like, this isn't going to work. Even, even before we get to the exorcism, just him taking his mother home. 
which is like, you know, she's old and feeble, and he's, you know, hesitating to carry her across the threshold back into this kind of hell house that they lived yeah. in together. And then when he's trying to feed her and she can't swallow right, and it's clear that this is going to be way more than he's capable of taking care of. And then you get to the exorcism part, which is the last ditch effort of like, I can make it better and I can undo things that aren't even my fault. Yeah. But I can I can make it right. And it's just the the blood and then her choking on it. I was just I was kind of done. Yeah, <laughs> that's like, no. one thing that I really, really liked about this episode is, you know, like I said, is that's why it was important that they had those positive flashbacks because in this episode you see so much of why he is, how he is with her. Yeah. And it's so sad how he feels guilty for like you said, it's not his control. It wasn't him, but it was really sad. And it didn't have to show, too, I love the Reverend for going with... <laughs> he tried. Even though he knew it wasn't going to work, mm-hmm. he still... He gave him that little... He was little, with him. He was like, okay, we, we can try, buddy. Like, yeah, that kind of shows, like, they're they're in this together right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I Kyle liked how they showed the Reverend, that. Yeah. For sure, because otherwise, he's going to fly straight off the handle. It is, though. It is so sad. It's like, it's like you say, like, yes, Reverend Anderson's there, but his argument the whole time is you can't do anything further. The demon is already gone, but this is what's, maybe the demon took something when it left. This is it, buddy. You can't, oh, you're going to keep, oh, you poor idiot. Okay. We got to that kid yeah. after, like, a week from the first episode. Your mother was possessed, which it seems like years yeah. that that went on. And so the toll it must have taken on her physically and mentally. And again, man in the black hat at the end who says, you know, you you fought so hard. It's just, oh. My heart, I know. My heart. Oh. And can we all agree that Kyle has way too much of a hero complex? Like, he he's like... <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to let my wife take the fall. I, I take full responsibility for bringing a demon to her, so I will be ostracized. And yeah. I'm going to try to save a mother who did nothing but beat me, even if it wasn't technically her fault, even if she was a victim. I'm, I can still help her, and I'll keep everyone away, and I'll just be lonely and sad for the rest of my life. I'm like, Kyle, like, you deserve some happiness. <laughs> like, be yeah. a therapist. Can I get, or can we get some, like, romance in his life? Something. <laughs> I think I, Kyle's ready for a relationship. Right? Emotionally. Because, because you, know, you know the first time he goes out on a date again, she gets possessed. Yeah. yeah. You, there's like no way time, that yeah. doesn't happen. It, like, destroys the Fridays they're at. Like, there's no <laughs> way that doesn't. But... I, have a Friday, so. I, I agree with you. He definitely has a hero complex, but I, I do appreciate that at least so far, and it's, you know, it's early yet, but so far the, the story, the show itself is not rewarding him for that hero complex. If yeah. anything, it does it does keep doubling down on buddy. This isn't this isn't helping. And Taking like, him right in the keister. Watching him try so desperately to help his mother in the exorcism scene, eventually resorting to, well, the little boy drank my blood here. No, yeah, I, I punched I punched the little like, boy in the face and his blood out into his mom's mouth. That choking sound. I was just like, yeah. you're hurting her. For a second, sound. for a second, I thought it might. Work because he kind of chokes on it as yeah, it comes up. And I was like, is, is something gonna like the slimy thing gonna come out of her again? But then I realized it was just not. It was it's just so sad. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so like so I'm just so I'm just thinking about like my God this poor guy and his terrible life. Yeah, he really has an awful dark life. This is true. And there's no it's like the one the one bright spot in his existence. And I'd say like it's not like he doesn't have friends. The Reverend's his buddy, but for for now, right? For, for how long? For yeah. now, and I don't think there's a whole lot of emotional nourishment to no. be found in that relationship. The closest thing to a bright spot in his life is is his sister at this point, who yeah. does finally try and do him a bit of a solid as he tries to get this present to his little girl, mm-hmm. who he had to save when his wife also became possessed because his life is horrible. Yeah. Yeah. I do think it's interesting, really interesting, that we see these flashbacks in the first episode with his wife, whose name is Allison. Allison, yeah. yes. Thank you. And, <laughs> and she's very clearly having a rough go of it with the demons and whatnot. But we see her now, and she seems a-okay. Yeah. Mm. That's why I also want to call attention to the way that Kyle kind of doesn't understand how is Joshua okay, and my mom's like mm. this, and then his wife's like this. So, I, I mean... That's kind of a reasonable thing for him to be frustrated about because I'm kind of thinking that. Like, what makes one person, you said obviously the time could be an issue, but what makes one person able to come out of this pretty much scotch-free, you know, she has her daughter, she has her life going again, and then his mom can't even do anything. 
So it's kind of a valid point that he's confused by that. Yeah, and I can definitely understand, like, if he saw two, two, the greatest loves of your life, your mother, the one who brought you into the world, and then the woman you chose to marry, both do that 180, of course you lock yourself away. You're like, I, I am the issue here. Yeah. But we can clearly see that, like, the Reverend and his sister are having a positive influence from the filth of that house in episode one to episode two, where, like, you know, the hallway's kind of cleaned yeah. up, you can walk around in it, and I don't believe we saw any dishes in the sink, which was a very big issue in episode yes. one. By the end, he puts on jeans. Right? Yes. Pants! Full pants! We're turning a corner. He's making it happen. So <laughs> 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 get Kyle into, like, a happier, healthier, like, state Kyle's of mind. Back. Oh man! But of course, of course, he put he puts on the jeans, and it's a slippery slope because he's just opening the door to further disaster. That's every morning. I'm just like, why? Why do I put? I'm not going to take these sweatpants off. I'm just inviting the demons to come after <laughs> me at that point. But we do see, we do see at the end of the episode to circle back around this this chilling scene with Brent Spiner's unnamed but clearly very nasty character. Yeah, talking to. Kyle's catatonic mother, and you see what I took to be proof positive that whatever else is going on, she's still very much in there. Yeah, mm -hmm. she knows what's she. I got yeah that she can like hear everything. Or Which when you go back and replay Kyle's conversations with her, it's heartbreaking. Heart, especially given the information we get in that scene of like she fought hard, she didn't want any of this, she saved him. It looks like in the final moments when she can't physically move, but her eyes are conscious and she's staring and that thing lets him go. And then she kind of disappears yeah. within her body. So it's clear that she was able to do so much, like enough to at least let him live. And then to hear like, I hated you and you tortured me and I don't love you. <laughs> Just poor. And to do, be able to do nothing but sit there and take it and not be able yeah. to justify or explain the situation yeah, Kyle's got a rough life, but his mother might take the cake in this episode. There is, I think there's definitely an argument to be made for the fact that she could possibly have it worse. At least he can, <laughs> at least he can walk around, I guess. So there's I, I that. Don't know. He's got I, mobility. He's standing upright. So, you know, yeah, he's got control over his life. I think the control I, is what's making it better. Yeah. What? I don't know. I don't is know it, about that. Is it control or is it the illusion say, of control? I don't know if he really has control that's over his fair, life at fair. this point. But he did put on the jeans. He did. He, he had put, control to get dressed in the morning. And he, he gave his daughter a present, which again was, was nice, and he got confirmation from his sister. His sister left a little note on the wrapping paper in his door that she really loved her present. And so cute. He was so happy. He, he smiled. So happy. That's why I want that relationship to be on the men's because he I had never seen him so happy he was here's my here's my fear my fear and I don't know I, of course because I haven't read the books and this isn't even a prediction my fear is the second anything good happens something three or four times as bad will happen this is based on a Robert Kirkman comic and I watched The Walking Dead <laughs> nobody's very happy for very guys, long I've never watched The Walking Dead so I feel like I'm gonna be it's gonna be rough for me watching this show oh man prepare <laughs> yourself to fall in love with the character and have them stabbed in the eye <laughs> yeah. several legs removed I'm gonna be on edge on all times. place to be. I think Robert Kirkman is so good at what he does, and part of what he does is everyone's life is very sad. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, and the human condition. <laughs> well, you know, he, I feel like he puts really tough people in very difficult situations. Yes. In situations where you you would be questioning yourself. Of like, I have, like, again, zombie, not just the zombie apocalypse, but now I am Rick and the leader of a group of survivors. Right. And I can trust no one because that's been clearly dictated to me several times. So now I have to become a killer and a leader, but somehow still be a father. And it, it just, it's a human condition. And so far, I mean, we're only two episodes in, but so far we see a guy who clearly loves, like, endlessly enough to, like, ostracize himself from an entire community that hates him, that he still has to walk through daily. Um, I know that he's going to be tested a lot more, but I'm hoping that, like Rick, we come to be like, you did what you had to do. Like, sure. There were zero other options, and we, we support you. Sure. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, and I do think it, it does, especially you watch these first two episodes, it puts such an interesting spin on the idea of an exorcism story because a lot of the pilot, especially when you get into the third act of that pilot where the, the boy's just flying around the room and they're beating <laughs> on him, a lot of it 
has certainly, certainly on the surface, so much in common with a lot of big popular exorcism stories. But most of those stories tend to be, not only do they tend to be one and done, but they almost don't consider the problem beyond the immediate, oh, we got the demon out of this one girl. Let's all go home. We did yeah. it. When in fact, if you believe in evil as a concept and you believe in possession as a concept, I would think the next logical step is we better figure out where the, the demon's going because yeah. they tend not to to bail and go home. Die. We can't banish them to hell, so they've just taken over somebody else. And I like that it's centered in a small town. Like Virginia in the comics plays a huge role in the setting and the scenery. And we get a little bit of, I mean, because you only have 22 pages in a comic, so you get a little bit of the townspeople. And I think that one of the major changes we're going to see in the show is that we're going to get a lot more community feeling. Sure. Which is great if you're into, um, like, old witchy kind of tales. Like, yeah. I'm hoping we get, like, witch-hunty feelings for um, Kyle later from the townspeople and he has to try to prove himself. Like, I like that we're getting, you know, these old ladies who are trying to, uh, they're not old. These women who are trying to, like, <laughs> seduce the, the, the uh, creature. Yeah, the Reverend. Yeah. And, and, like, get on his good side. Like, I like these little town aspects. And, um, what uh, uh, Kirkman does so well is he creates great communities. Yes. So I'm very excited to see. And then often destroys them horribly. Yeah, <laughs> but that's fun. <laughs> but, but it's true, and I, I agree completely, and that's something else that I think so far certainly sets this story apart from a lot of other demonic possession stories is that the victims of demonic possession and the people around them typically have the strong personal connection. But in a lot of these stories, the people coming in to fight the evil typically don't have such a strong strong, immediate personal connection. It's typically, you know, you've got, you know, in The Exorcist is a perfect, obviously, the most mm. obvious example, because the, the climax of The Exorcist and the climax of The Pilot are so similar, you've got your older priest and your younger priest, and they both sure don't like the devil, but they're not particularly attached to the little girl that this demon is inhabiting, whereas Kyle has a direct personal connection to almost everybody mm. that we know of that's gotten possessed so far. Well, the other thing is Kyle isn't a preacher. Like, he's not a religious... Yeah person it doesn't seem and it's certainly not in the show at this point and definitely not in the comics and it's a struggle of like i don't believe in what i'm seeing and doing and yet i have no other tools in which mm -hmm. to handle what is happening to me so i really like that di dichotomy of like a preacher who's super devout and um like a man of the people who's like i can save this community i can uplift it and i can help kyle get through this horrible first half of his life and maybe lead him into some good versus kyle who's like there is no God. There is no hell. Everything is terrible. <laughs> but maybe I can do something yeah. about it. Maybe me personally can fix this issue that I have caused. And I really like the two of them working together. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think putting the two of them together in a partnership is a really great way to get to get both elements. And I do. I want to talk about Reverend Anderson now because there's a lot going on with him that I'm trying to track. Mm. It doesn't. I don't think in this episode you get quite as much concrete personal backstory information that that makes his motivation entirely clear in a new way but you get okay so so first time you see him right homeboys preaching to his congregation <laughs> he's preaching hard and yeah. like he's he's going yeah. for it he's too. doing good southern baptist minister oh, yeah, on he's him. going hard on them <laughs> like in a way where you'd be forgiven if you didn't know what show you were watching you'd be forgiven for going buddy just, just like just breathe just take a breath just to down and not like seven or eight <laughs> notches. And you could also forgive some of the townspeople, who some of whom I'm pretty sure possessed, but you could forgive some of the townspeople for going, I don't, like, what? what's happening it's here? It's extreme, yeah. man. But of course, we know that he's right. And he knows that he's right. And so his, his inability to rile people up a little bit more than he's able to, I found, uh, let's say, a little, little frustrating. I, yeah, I... I don't know if I felt frustrated because, I mean, if I was in the town, I'd be like, Reverend, yeah, this I'd be is the a same little way. old testimony for me, the hellfire and brimstone. Um, so I, what I guess I'm more interested in is the townspeople coming to terms with this because it seems like a sprinkle here and there are like, oh no, his mother was possessed. And now that we know Kyle's history, they're unsure. They're like, but he beat his daughter. And now this kid is like bloodied to a pulp and our Reverend is defending him. I feel like they're going to have a lot more questions than just what is your sermon about and more like 
what are you like who uh the old lady questions him too like is he one of your followers is he part of your army mm-hmm. you know and for him to just stand up and just be like yeah he is all the christians in that room spilled blood it was terrible and had you been there you might know something about it i i like that he stuck stick so hard to his convention con- oh lord words <laughs> <laughs> his convictions and supports kyle 110 percent. like there's no like flailing in there i don't know if that's gonna work on like if that'll alienate the people or if that'll endear them to him yeah i like how he sticks to it too and i'm really curious to at this point i can't guess who it would be but if there's gonna be someone who you know fully jumps on board soon because right now it's pretty much just him and Kyle, and everyone else is at least somewhat skeptical or very, very skeptical. It does kind of feel like there's a third missing. Like, yeah, I feel a like there's, there needs in. to be someone else who kind of hops on board with them, but I just, I don't know who that might be. Maybe mm-hmm. Chief? That's a, the Chief is super Chief? interesting because Chief seems to, without talking about it explicitly, seems very aware that there is stuff. He's got the line yeah. specifically where uh, Mark, the, the brother-in-law, is talking to him about, about Reverend Anderson. And the Chief says that line where he's he's saying, you know, his, his fire and brimstone protects this community in ways that our badges and guns can't. Yeah. So he knows something's going on. Here's right. Mm, I fear for his life, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> specifically yes. because oh, of yeah. that. I mean, and talk about great character actors of Reggie Cathy. Yes. He's amazing, and I was so excited when they cast him. I was like, this is going to be good. Like, he knows exactly what to do, and he's got such a great uh, face, yes. like, for mystery, and you're always looking at him like, what do you know? What secrets are you <laughs> holding? Um, I, spent, I spent the entirety of House of Cards watching the barbecue chef <laughs> thinking, what secrets are you hiding? You know he's got good secrets. And we actually kind of learned some of them. Yeah, he's, he's really amazing. And so... Uh, can we, are we, can we talk a little bit about that wood Hikari, scene? Can I say Hakari real quick? Hakari, he's been really active in the chat. He thinks the cop's on board. Yeah? yeah. He thinks he's in. Pretty? I yeah. love it. So, we got, so maybe maybe he's our guy. He would be a good one, and he's funny, and he comes from an entirely different perspective yeah. of not fully, like, of having to balance the law and some possible religious beliefs we're not sure yet. Um, so that would be interesting to see him kind of join the Scooby gang. Yeah. Scooby gang. <laughs> I like it. So, all right. So, so, since you brought it up, yeah, let's talk about what in in all of creation is going on in the woods. Because Third what major departure from issue two? That scene is not in there. Uh, art department went ham, and I have to applaud them. <laughs> Those raccoons were yes, terrifying. They were crucified and like arms all spread out and just so scary. Um, gutted. Gore. I, I mean, I love gore, so I was really excited to see it. I was like, there's demonic possession happening in these woods. Um, but also terrifying. And to see kind of Mark and Chief's different opinions on what's going on. I like that they think it's just the kids that spray painted the building. And I'm like... They're, they're also mutilating animals. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. come on. a huge jump from some kids spray painting the devil on the side of a church to crucifying four raccoons in the woods. This seems yeah. different. Yeah, that was... That was pretty nuts. Yeah. I was like, oh, man. And, I, and the, the RV, I'm I'm very confused. <laughs> well, and that's but intrigued. A, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's where I'm at, too, because we don't get much more than that. Just the sight of these, these awful, awful goings-on happening out in the woods. And I, I have no idea what to make of it other than it's telling us very clearly there is more going on. It's bigger than, I mean, I was going to say, it's bigger than demonic possession. I... Well, that's that's large as well, I I think. That's pretty big. But it does yeah. feel like there's some intention yes. behind it now. Instead of just demons have escaped and they're attracted to this dude. Like, it feels directional, especially with the appearance of the man in the black hat uh, right after that. It's very... Is he uh, living in that RV or something? It feels coincidental that both things should show up at the same time, and is all I'm saying. Also, did you guys get the vibe that... I mean, the way they shot it, at least, someone was watching them, right? Did you guys not get that vibe with, like, the the view from behind the barbed wire fence? That might be fair. I did not get that, but see, I, I got, could definitely I don't see know, it. I get those vibes that they're, like, people are being watched when they show those weird shots. Because why else they showed it, like, looking through the barbed wire fence yeah. at them kind of exploring and seeing what was going on. So I totally was like, who was watching them? 
it definitely did. It seemed like a weird, specific POV thing that yeah. they were doing at that point. And then, of course, I start going like, all right, well, which, which types of horror tropes are we playing with? Is this, okay, is this like a little person that's watching them? Or is it a demon? Or are they going to do like the Evil Dead thing where they've got the demon cam that's going to chase them around the woods for a while <laughs> to, to <laughs> save money so we don't have to show the CGI monster? Yeah. I'm not sure. I would say there's almost certainly a connection between whatever's going on out there and scary Brent Spiner. Yeah. I get the impression, me personally, from watching the way Spiner played it in that one scene where he actually has lines, I think even if he's a, an evil a wolf in sheep's clothing, as it were, I think he probably is a little too a little too dignified himself. I feel like he wouldn't want to get his hands dirty. I feel like he's the the overseer demon, yeah. you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. He's he does like, have a very prim, proper kind of feel he to has, him. He very much does. I feel like he's like the operations manager, yeah. and he, he delegates. <laughs> like, he For has, sure. he has his, his peons do things like sacrifice raccoons in the woods and whatnot. But yeah, there's got there's got to be a connection, and that's something else too that I think differentiates this from a lot of similar stories. And it's great that we have this is a ten episode season, I believe. So we've got ten hours now to play with this this mythology, and I think the way they're teasing out little pieces of it is fascinating. And now, of course, so I haven't read the comics. The comics are out there. I want to go and devour. All of it now. See, I, I'm like the opposite. I don't, I don't <laughs> want to be spoiled. I want to just be kept. Well, I guess it's veering away from the comics already, but I like having kind of this blank slate of not having any idea of where it's going. I feel like with all Kirkman properties, do one and then the other, sure. and and uh, then compare because it's joyous to just see how he uses the same characters to accomplish different goals or or brings in a character and, and puts them in entirely new situations. Um, I'm excited to see where he veers off this so far. All the characters are kind of fulfilling their roles as they traditionally have been in the comic books, but we've got a lot of show left, so I'm looking forward to some, some twists and turns. Um, if you are interested in the comics, the trade paperbacks are available on Amazon.com, or you can go to Comixology and get them for even less expensive and have them on your tablet. Which is fun. Yeah, I, I switched over to tablet for because like single issues started piling up after a while. I can't it do digital. They do are space consuming, um, yeah. but I can't read digital comics. I need paper. <laughs> But I do, I do love because we are because we're taking our time teasing out bigger elements of the mythology. We do get a lot of moments as we build the community and we add color to the community. And there was one I specifically I, I put this in my notes, <laughs> and the heading is in quotes butts. And it's this <laughs> it's this exchange after the fire and brimstone sermon yeah. where these these two uh, where Grace Abriski and uh, Melinda McGraw first are talking. No, it was not Melinda McGraw. It's, some other some other parishioner they come up to the reverend and uh, one of them says i could have done without some of that saucy language putting <laughs> people's backsides in seats and then the reverend says maybe it's a minor blessing there weren't more people here to hear me work in blue and i love <laughs> things like that and i love that he uses the term working blue which if you're <laughs> if you're listening and you don't know what that term is uh, in stand-up comedy working blue tends to refer to uh, material that is very vulgar i love that the the church version of working blue is something as innocuous as the term putting butts in seats. Yeah. Like, that little piece of color really, I don't know, that amused me. Yeah, and even the following line, I think, is I like it when you put a little pepper on your peaches. Put your peaches, yeah. Like, that is just, and again, just invoking that, like, Virginia spirit. Like, it's a little Old South, little good old boy kind of feel to it. More um, euphemisms than actual, like, dirty language. I, I really like the way this town is kind of unfolding to us, and especially once we get to a point where uh, the show surpasses the comic. I think we'll have a lot of secondary characters to play around with that we don't kind of see too much in the comic, and that'll be really exciting. Yeah, so the, the comic's been running since 2014. We talked mm -hmm. about this super briefly before we jumped on air. So how far in, because you, you're, are you current yeah. with them? Yeah, yes. Uh, I actually don't know how many off the top of my head. I'm going back slowly and rereading them. I want to say there are like 15 out. Feel free to check me okay, if I'm so, wrong. So if there's only 15 issues and this season is only 10 episodes long, yeah. it's entirely possible if we are lucky enough to get another season of this show, we're going to run into a, a George R. R. Martin Game of Thrones situation where pretty we'll soon straight past we're it. just going to be making stuff up. That's exciting. That's really exciting. <laughs> and it'll be interesting. Once again, I don't know, since Kirkman is in charge of both the TV show and the comic yes. and has active voice in it, I'm wondering how is he going to 
go a different direction with the show as the comic and why well, and i have so many questions i'm gonna find him and bring him to us that's my goal that'd be anyway, great i'm gonna find him sure just <laughs> find robert kirkman if you, if you wander around him. you look under <laughs> rocks and things for where he might be but it's also i believe if i'm not if i'm not mistaken he did write the pilot and that's the first pilot he's written mm-hmm. which i think is interesting that he's and obviously he was very much involved in shaping what walking dead is because obviously it's it's his it's his baby. Yeah. But it was the first time that he wrote a pilot, which I think is interesting. He was able to put very directly his own stamp as a writer on the show from the very beginning. Yeah, and in the comics, I, I want to say issue, between issues three and five, he writes a letter to the fans saying, like, we're pretty sure it's going to be a TV show. Settle in. Buckle up. I'll read it to you when we get to that that issue that corresponds with the show. Um, it's a really great letter, and it was really exciting to read, and it's clear that he's so jazzed about bringing this to the screen and being able to open up this world. So his energy and just, like, love of his worlds is so infectious. You can't sure. help but, like, want to dive right in. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, was, your, your, your joy about Robert yeah, Kirkman was no, getting I pretty infectious. It. And I, was, I got sucked it's in like, for a second. I was like, like, smiling, like, yeah. I was like, please tell me more about Robert Kirkman. I'll try next week. History lessons of Robert Kirkman. I love Kirkman. hearing that, too, and it makes me way more interested in his work because this is the first experience I'm having with him at all because I didn't ever watch Walking Dead so yeah. I love hearing you talk I'm like <laughs> yeah I'm all on board uh, update on the comics we have 19 issues of the comic there are three trade paperbacks out um, which run anywhere between $5 and $12 so it's not expensive to catch up and read if you're interested in doing that um, it's a super fun read and once again just gorgeous to look at so pretty yeah yeah. I love good art. So so if we're only at about 15 and you said that we're approximately getting an adaptation of one issue per episode, is that about the way it's been working? Yeah, roughly. So far. Again, only two issues in. Issue one was direct pilot, like, first issue. It's completely the same. Issue two, we get a lot more. We don't have the wood scene. Um, there's a conflict in issue two between uh, Mark and Kyle that we don't get in the episode that is in the book. Uh, Although Mark Mark certainly seems to be no big fan of no, Kyle. He doesn't no. hide that at all. And I can't imagine that conflict won't be coming up soon. It would be very early to introduce it into a TV show. But once again, the comic book, the comic is like, this is Kyle's journey. These are the people Kyle interacts with um, for the most part, except for the man in the black hat. Right. Um, Whereas the show, again, seems more like about this community and what's going to be happening now that uh, Kyle is back. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. So far, though, yeah, right on track. It's just issue per episode. So what that means then is, okay, so 10 episode seasons, right? If it gets a second season, probably another 10 episodes. By then, another couple of issues will be out. I think season, we're good. We're actually, we're safe for like two years. Yeah, roughly. It'll depend if he keeps up his comic schedule because I think that's kind of what, I think he does six months on, six months off. Okay. So we'll see how long that lasts. But yeah, maybe for the first few years we'll be we'll be right in there. Yeah. Now I'm just trying to think of like what else what else from this episode have we not hit because we we have hit a lot of bra- I really uh, quick though do want to shout out David Denman as Mark because he hasn't had a ton to do yet. But that's just another actor that I've seen in so many. De- uh, he was Roy on The Office, yeah. among, <laughs> among many, many other things. And so I was like, hey, Roy, why are you so mad? <laughs> Lighten up, Roy. Come on. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting the way that uh, Megan and Allison have their little interaction. And you kind of hear about what Amber thinks of the whole not getting to see her dad thing. Yes. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yes. because. It made, she made it seem like um, Amber kind of blames her mom for not getting to see her dad, which I, I didn't really. I'm really curious about that whole situation and what went on to how I know everyone thinks that he hurt her, but I'm kind of curious to the exact events that led to him being not allowed even to interact at all whatsoever. It seemed to me, based off the language, that it was a mutual agreement and that maybe there haven't been cops involved. Uh, just based off the way uh, Allison and, uh, and the sister were talking, uh, I don't know. I, I don't... I have a lot of thoughts on it, but a lot of those are based off the comics, and I don't want to potentially spoil anything. Her, once again, I'm trying to... Hikari, I'm sorry if I'm saying this wrong. She actually said that... Maybe the reason he's blamed for harming his daughter is because when the mom snapped out of it, she didn't remember anything, and the only two that were seriously hurt were those two. Huh. 
This makes sense. It does. It also tracks as to why why Amber would maybe resent her mother a little bit because from her perspective, assuming that Amber doesn't know anything about the yeah. evil demons and isn't secretly possessed, <laughs> she knows that her experience with the situation would have been something's wrong with mom. Mom's being violent. Dad's trying to protect exactly. me. Exactly. Why can't I see dad anymore? So mm. that makes sense to why. I mean, that's a very good. I thought that was a good theory that she had. Totally. Yeah, so, all right, since we're starting to speculate a little bit, why don't we open it up and get into predictions? Yeah. Okay. Love predictions. I love the light show. <laughs> Every so time. <laughs> because pretty much anything else I can think of really wanting to talk about right now necessitates a lot of wild speculation. Oh, man, bring it. I love that. Well, okay, it. so, <laughs> and some of it, maybe maybe the comics have already answered. I and won't we answer can, that here. Right, so we can't get super, yeah. super, super spoily. But, like... What what's up with the weird CGI goo monster? What's what's that guy's deal? He seems mean. I don't like that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you're referring to him as a guy. I was gonna say, is it a he? Is it conscious? <laughs> is it, or? it? I don't know. I yeah. He seems he. I'm gonna say he because the goo monster just seems like a real angry dude to me. <laughs> <laughs> like, so so far, as depicted, g- weird CGI goo monster seems like a really angry dude. I, I can I can see that. Sure. That's that's my prediction. I can get on board with that. He maybe is angry because he got laid off from his demon job. Maybe like Black Hat Brent Spiner is just <laughs> he's like cutting his ranks. He's like, look, we're on a budget. It's like nobody is recession proof at this point. Not even pure evil. We've got to let you go. And then big demon goo monster monster is like fine and then starts possessing people i don't know i don't know who's evil i think everyone is evil that's at this point you want to assume you have to kind of assume the worst of everyone that everyone could be evil just hoping that they're not and since okay since we're we're talking predictions now fully we talked about the chief reggie kathy's character Mm. and i really like the idea that yes he seems open to if not totally sure of the fact that there is some weird supernatural evil stuff that yeah. goes on in this town. It seems like the older citizens in particular have kind of this knowledge of demon possession-y things running throughout the town. My fear is not that he won't become an ally, because I think he he certainly can be. My fear is that he does and is immediately killed horribly. I can see Man. that. And side. this is just a side note because this is hysterical. The gooey thing that you're saying... Flubber's evil cousin. <laughs> Flubber's evil cousin. That's, that's Akari again. She is coming in hot in this chat, and it's great. Oh, did we check? God. Did we check the IMDb? It could be the same weird CGI goo blob that played Flubber. Ah, I, yeah. think, I think it's the same. Cast the same. It's good to see that CGI goo blob working again. Yeah, you know, I feel like that's a small. It's a small market. It's a very <laughs> niche market for actors. <laughs> He came out of retirement for this role. Yes. He couldn't pass up the opportunity. Like, but I do every so often. I'll see. I'll see it like on Actors Access. I'll see a breakdown that's like only submit if you are a massive sentient CGI goo blob. <laughs> and I was like, darn, that's not me. But, but where's that actor from Flubber? I bet. I bet that. Oh man, so great. But that's that's what I think is going to happen to Chief. I think Chief is because Chief's eyes are open in a way that everyone else's aren't, and he doesn't overtly seem evil to me, I'm pretty sure it means he's not long for this world. I agree. I feel bad things are coming for him. And another thing that I just think is these absolute straight-out skeptics like Mark, I think that something or someone close to them is going to be immediate. Like, I, for Mark, since he's very openly not a believer of this, I think something like his daughter, I think his daughter could become possessed, or Megan... And that's going to kind of snap him into, okay, something bad's going down here. Sure. I, I don't know. I just assume that's it, for them to believe that it's going to have to happen directly to them and affect them. For sure. I'll make a wild off-the-cuff, not-in-the-comics <clears throat> prediction. Um, I think the kids are going to come bigger into play. We've kind of set up this world where children have this weird outlier effect on people from the kids that are spray painting to uh, both daughters. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm wondering if maybe they are a little more keen, uh, intuitive as to like these demons and if they're aware of the possession. Um, Because even in in episode one uh, with Mark's uh, daughter, she says, you know, oh, you were bad and you hurt your daughter. But to me, it didn't seem accusatory. It seemed like she was just restating facts and trying to understand the situation. Um, 
So I'm wondering if she's like more aware than maybe even her parents of like, yeah, no, there's something going on here and it's weird. So I think the kids are going to play a bigger factor. I, I like that, especially because we know it's very clear in the pilot episode they're not going to shy away from bringing children into mm-hmm. this for better or for That's worse. That's I like it. Yeah, I like let it us, a lot. And I'm, I'm the same way, and it's a little bit, it feels a little bit sick, but yeah. every time, <laughs> like every time something happens to a kid in a horror movie, my response should be, Oh, oh, that's no. just that's just terrible. But that's really, actually, my, yeah, my response is, oh, they went there. That's awesome. Yeah, punch that kid in the face. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that let's, was it was crazy awesome. Let's not forget that the pilot opens with a little boy gnawing off his own fingers, Finger. and then later they punch that same little boy in the face repeatedly. He yeah. smacks his head into a wall, wall to kill a bug, and then self cannibalizes. I mean, that's just metal. Like I was just really, <laughs> I was like, this is metal. brutal and everything I needed in my life. <laughs> yep, I was Very a fan happy. of it. Fan <laughs> of it. So that that means that yes, not even the children on Outcast are in any way safe. They're all so cute though, so you just you hope they're safe. I know. I know. See, not, that makes though. me that makes me feel so insecure. Whenever, <laughs> no, I'm like, there's no safety here. In a I lot of not. yeah, in a lot of horror stories, you can go. Okay, the child is here. I I can at least watch the kid mm. on screen, and everything's gonna work out. Deep breaths. Oh, the kid is eating its own fingers. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Like potato chips. I also get extremely nervous when there's no background music or anything <laughs> because you're waiting for a. I'm waiting for. a a noise or something just terrible Anything to ground you within the yes. space. But when you're just floating, you're like, it's like, it's like, like they come from anywhere. It's almost like they want you to feel calm in the silence, but I've never felt more uneasy. Creature. <laughs> it's awful. Dude, but they are, they're doing such a wonderful job. With everything. As, as storytellers and also as technical filmmakers. Yes. Which, which, again, I'm a huge film nerd. To see the level of technical craftsmanship on display in these first two episodes, for me, was really, really fun and exciting. Yeah, I'm not like super like good at what exactly they're doing, but I, I notice it like the the way they change the lighting with certain things and the visual effects. Everything is just incredible. It's beautiful. So we're going to have to wrap in a second, but really quickly wanted to get any final thoughts, anything we didn't hit on that you guys wanted to just throw into the conversation really quickly about this episode in particular. No, I think we got it. Thank you guys for chatting with us. Join us next week. If you miss it this week on YouTube, four o'clock. Uh, Pacific Standard Time, because we love hearing from you guys. Yeah, it's good. And I have one more thing that popped up in the chat that I thought was pretty interesting by Adam. He's like, I've not read the comics, but love the show. Do you think that Kyle had the demon inside him at some point, but managed to cast it out, and that's why they call him Outcast? Uh, good theory, I don't Adam. know, good but theory. interesting. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to th- come back next well, week yeah. having <laughs> thought about this. <laughs> on it. Um, in, in the meantime, where can everybody find you guys online? Uh, I'm Joel Monique. You can find me everywhere at Joel Monique. And this week on Black Girl Nerds, catch my review of Finding Dory. And I'm Abby Vega. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Abby Vega. And I am Lex Michael. All of our social media at the Lex Michael. Thank you very much for chatting with us. Please continue to join us all season for the Outcast yes. After Show. We're going to keep talking about bad things happening yeah. to nice people. <laughs> <laughs> we will see you next week. Bye. <laughs> From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 